Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The 54th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is Carolina Basketball. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty in the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Michigan out of timeout. And Weber, front court, Carolina thought he'd travel with it. Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes a timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Now gets it away to Donald Williams, down the side to Stackhouse. Stackhouse streaking in on Park, rebound duck, is good, and he gets fouled by Park. Oh my goodness, what a dunk! Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebound. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. Belton ready on his second attempt. That one is no good. A battle for it. Loose ball. Recovered Marvin. He scores. 9.72, and how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion. Matthews off the mark, and this year the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. From HeelToughBlog.com, this is the Four Corners Podcast, featuring your host, Josh Marlowe. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys. I really hope you can hear the smile that is coming through the microphones. That's not how smiles work. Because this is the happiest I've been on the pod in some time. Carolina made, uh, I'm not going to say quick work of Michigan because it was a two-point game at halftime, but they they made work of the Wolverines. 72-251 in the Smith Center. And just a big-time win for Hubert Davis. And, and this version of the program under Hubert Davis, it was the first win for Carolina. Um, since they last beat Michigan, ironically enough, in the ACC Big Ten Challenge in 2017. That game was also in Chapel Hill. Um, it was also the largest margin of victory for Carolina in the event since they beat Michigan State in Detroit in 2008. We all know what Carolina went on to do that year. Making the Final Four. Ah, oh, don't – come on, Winning man. a come national on. championship. But, buddy, n- not – I'll use Jones Angel's words in the postgame on the Toyo Sports Network. It wasn't that the first six games had been stressful – or frustrating or disappointing. Well, they, the, the, but, for you, it'd been uh, all of those. But for, and Car- more. for for but for Carolina, last night was just it was really important, 
and we'll get into this in a little bit. But I just want your initial thoughts. Really important for this for this this team and the staff to get a win like that, especially as we mentioned leading into the game. It was really important for Carolina to win. But I also thought it was equally important for them to look good winning because you had eight days in between games. And that second half, they gave you a glimpse of the type of team they can be. And I think it was the first time we let, we, we got we got done watching Carolina play, watching Carolina win the game, and feeling encouraged about the type of team this team can be down the road. Yeah, no, I, I think you're you're right. That that was easily the best performance of the season. There's no denying that. Um, I mean, I, honestly, it's probably the best performance since Virginia Tech in the ACC um, tournament last year. That's what I put in my recap article on so, HealTuffBlog.com. I mean, it feels it it feels good. And especially for, for Hubert Davis to get this win. I mean, look, we, we came on here and told you College of Charleston was a solid win. Mm-hmm. This is a really good win. And I, I don't care. There's people already saying, well, Michigan isn't quite living up to expectations this season. Michigan was on, you know, at 24th just about to fall out of the top 25. It doesn't matter. They are where you were, just with a ranked number beside your name. Yeah, exactly. I mean, these were two, and we talked about it when we were breaking down the game. These were two fairly even teams. But here's the thing. For Carolina, this is is big because, as we mentioned, you get a win at a conference against a Power 5 opponent that if you didn't win this one, Mm -hmm. you may not have had that. Um but also, I mean, look, we, we said, look at the rest of the ACC. It's really not all that great. And this ACC Big Ten Challenge kind of showed you that. So for Carolina to get this win, I mean, look, I think this was that was easily the biggest win that the ACC had against the Big Ten in this challenge. Oh, no doubt. So I think that shows that that means something. That, that shows that Carolina in the ACC pecking order – they are one of the best teams right now. Now, what exactly is that saying? I don't know how much that's saying. But, yeah, this definitely felt like a nice win that you can put on the resume. Because, no offense, what we said it, I believe, when we previewed the game. The College of Charleston is a solid win. You're not putting that on your resume well, for the NCAA tournament. That, that well, ain't building you, you much. You also – you could build so much off of that win, but you were building into the next the next two games, which, of course, they, they played Char- Charleston mm-hmm. before Purdue and Tennessee. This type of win can catapult you, not just for the rest of the month, which you got an ACC game on Sunday. You play a top five to ten UCLA team in two weeks. This could be a point when we look back and let's say Carolina achieves a lot of the goals that we have laid out for them to achieve. This is the type of game that you could point back to and say, that's where it changed. And look, I'm not going to lie. I was marginally frustrated with Hubert Davis through the first no, six games. You don't say. The, the smile that was on my face in the last – once it became apparent that Carolina was going to win the game. I don't believe that you were smiling. Um – couldn't couldn't be wiped off because we okay we were not alive for Dean Smith. I mean, we were two when he retired. When Roy Williams got to Chapel Hill, we were 
seven and eight years old. We didn't even know that Carolina basketball was to a certain extent. We didn't get to see those coaches get their first signature win. We got to see Hubert Davis get his first signature win. And even though for both of us he wasn't the, the first choice, we have come around to he is the right guy for Carolina basketball. And last night he proved to you why Roy Williams picked him to succeed him to run the program. And it was just really cool being a part of that um, as a Tar Heel fan. Let's take a look at the box score. Carolina did a lot of good things last night. Um, there, there isn't, There's hardly an area where you could look at and say that they, they didn't perform overly well. Uh, Carolina outshot Michigan uh, field goal percentage watch 46% to 35%. Three-point percentage, Carolina 8 of 19, led by Caleb Love, 4 of 7, his four three-pointers tied a career high. Uh, the 8 of 19 is 42%. Carolina's played seven games, and six of the seven they've shot north of 40%. Remember, this team had the worst three-point per- three shooting percentage in the history of the program last year at 31%. Michigan just 5 of 16 just uh, 31% free throws. Carolina just two of three from the foul line, the fewest amount of free throws they've ever attempted in a game. Jeez. Ever. That's crazy. Um, Since stats became totaled on a nightly, gamely basis, Michigan just uh, six of six from the foul line. The big kicker, Carolina, just six turnovers. Two in the first half, four in the second. We'll get to that in a minute. Michigan... They, Michigan had 13 turnovers, so Carolina took care of the ball on their end, forced turnovers on the other. They converted those 13 turnovers into 13 points. Rebounds, Carolina was down in the rebounding margin at halftime, bounced back, out-rebounded Michigan 38-35. Second chance points, Carolina 14-5. Bench points, even at 11 for Carolina. That was led by led by Brady Manick, who had nine points uh, points in the paint. Remember how bad Carolina was in Uncasville, Connecticut, allowing 96 points in two days? Yes. Just 20 points last night in the painted area Beautiful. for Michigan. Carolina got 34 of their own. Even in the fast break at four points apiece, Carolina 3-1 to one advantage in blocks. Advantage Carolina 6-3 to three in steals. Carolina 13-9 the uh, advantage in the assist. Um... And it was, it was the most complete game Carolina has played this season. We go to the quote of the game. We actually got some audio. Um, here's what Hubert Davis had to say um, in the post game, talking about Caleb Love's performance for the Tar Heels. Well, Caleb is, you know, he's a first-team All-American. He's a definitive first-round draft pick, and the reason being is he's a basketball player. He can be dominant on both ends of the floor. I mean, you know, from an offensive standpoint, he has he's he's gifted enough to be able to create his own shot and create a shot for his teammates at any given time. And um, he's done such a good job this year understanding when to shoot and when to uh, create shots for his teammates. And then the job that he did on Eli Brooks, you know, Caleb played it all around game. And I'm very, very happy. and I'm very, very proud of him. We're going to get into Caleb Love here in just a couple of minutes. Um, but some, some really big-time big, big time praise from his head coach. The best maybe we've seen Caleb Love in a non-Duke game in his short Tar Heel career. Stat of the game for you guys. Ha, you know, ha, had some different ones to go with. 
Was it the free throws because you just shot two of three? Was it Carolina's two-point defense because they held Michigan to just 13 of 36 from two-point land? Ultimately, we went with turnovers um, because we mentioned going in, we felt this was going to be a slower-paced game. It was. Just 64 possessions for Carolina last night. Meant they had to value the basketball more. They did just that. Six turnovers, a season low, but the byproduct, forcing those 13 turnovers, getting 13 second-chance points off of that. That was really big. Carolina entered the game just forcing 8.7 turnovers a game. Uh, they, they really improved that last night with the 13 turnovers of the Wolverines. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back after this uh, ad from DraftKings, we'll give you more thoughts, reactions from the win over Michigan. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers. I've been giving you over here on the Four Corners pod, and Anthony's been giving you over on the Heel Tough blog pod. This game starts and ends with Caleb Love because last night, he was the best player on the floor for either team. Yeah, no doubt. And when he's when he's at that level, when he's that aggressive on both ends, when the three-point shot is falling like it was, and man, that one he made right before halftime. Whew. Yeah, he hit a couple. Whew. He hit a couple that you were just like Honestly, you said to yourself, I don't know if he should be taking that. And all of a sudden, you were like, all right, all right. Um, it, it's a confidence thing with him. And it, it, I think what we've seen this year uh, is it ebbs and flows. Last year, you had a lot of times when it was down. And there were a couple of games where it would shine. This year, I think it's kind of going to be a 50-50 balance. You're I think his see... confidence is there. Right. I think – and I, I – the biggest thing I think from him last night, that was the first big crowd he's played in. Oh no, yeah, especially he definitely in the Smiths. And and he, I think he played really well off of that that crowd and that when, environment. When he when he got the first when when they got the the the, the steal and the first breakaway dunk early mm-hmm. in the first half, and it sent that place into a frenzy. Probably because we forced a turnover to to begin with. <laughs> And then you got. Hey, like, we we forced we forced a lot out of the gate. I got to give them credit. Early yeah. on in the game, they were forcing a lot of Michigan turnovers, which was something we challenged them to do. And then you got the dunk, and then that place got loud. That kind of felt 
I always feel like Joel Berry was really good at playing to the crowd. Like whenever he would make a big shot, oh yeah, he would just you know he'd get engaged. The Smith Center crowd energized Caleb Love, and he fed off of that energy. But when he's at that level, on both ends of the court, and we we truly believe he can be a big time defender, mm-hmm. and he was last night. Carolina's different. And I think it's it's so funny how things stay the same because for 18 years when Carolina had a good point guard under Roy Williams, they were really freaking good. And I think the same thing's going to be said under Hubert Davis. When he gets his point guard, and it's so funny because the last episode we were talking about does Caleb even fit? Well, now we're not even thinking about that. Perfect, when, perfect fit. Because when he plays like that – Carolina's going to be really freaking good. Right. And they're going to be tough to beat. He's not going to always play like that is is the thing. And that's where I think you start to get some of the worries about the fit as your point guard. But, yeah, I mean, last night you saw a guy that was aggressive on both ends of the floor, which was kind of what we had been pushing for for a lot of these guys on this team, but especially for him. And you said it on the last edition or – yeah, I think it was the last edition when, you know, not only are we looking for the maturation on the offensive end, one of the biggest things about Roy Williams and his point guards, the steps they took in year two, was what they did on the defensive end of the mm-hmm. floor. And we saw that in this game against Caleb Love. And that's one of the things that, look, Hubert said it, and I think we all believe it, and it's starting to show. There are certain aspects of the Carolina basketball program that he is going to pull from each, you know, each of the two main head coaches, and even a little bit he said from Bill Guthridge. I think one of the things when it, it, that that he is going to want to hold over from Roy Williams era is just the sheer amount of success from the point guards and how quickly they were able to take those steps in their career, which was that freshman to sophomore leap. And, and, and you're seeing it at times from Caleb Love. This was one of those games where you talk about the team being able to build off of it. This could be one of those games that you could look back on for Caleb Love if he can really start to become that more consistent player and you say that was the moment where he really started to take off. That was when he became one of the true leaders on this Carolina basketball team. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, and and I'm interested to see what he does on Sunday against Georgia Tech because that's another pretty, pretty big game. I mean, Georgia Tech's not great, but I think that I don't think they're going to have as much of a drop off as maybe some people thought they would with the with the veterans that they lost from last year. So it's going to be a test and and then of course UCLA. So I'm interested to see how he performs in some of these big games coming up, but yeah, you got to hand it to him. Really stepped up when he needed to and also, I mean, the environment in the Smith Center last night was tremendous. And that was the first time that we've really felt that because we I don't I I shouldn't say we. Me I definitely have not been thrilled with the environments that they've had so far. It's not been great. That one last night, that was more of what you want to see. The Smith Center has its its drawbacks on the crowd. And the the, the schedule didn't help getting a lively crowd to start the season, especially with the 9 p.m. home game against Brown and then the game against UNC Asheville two days before Thanksgiving. But, look, that's part of it. 
you got Cameron Indoor Stadium. You've got Allen Fieldhouse. Big games in the Dean Dome. They hit different because the stars were out. Um, and and we'll touch on that in the closing notes. But you you could feel it, and having Dickie V in the building really added a, a, an emotional event uh, on top of Carolina honoring Stuart Scott as well. Great having Dickie V back on the you know back on TV. There's not a better ambassador for our sport than Dick Vitale because the man genuinely loves college basketball. But last night was great, and yes. I thought you know Hubert you know. And he told the team, this is why you came here. Look at the crowd. Look at this environment. Now go out. Play great. They're going to cheer you on. And that was really big. What was also really big was the performance of the bigs. We talked going into the game. We needed needed the front court to play well collectively. I think last night was the first time they all three played really well. Led by Armando Baycott, 11 points, 14 rebounds, um, a couple of blocks. He was just – he was everywhere. He was engaged on both ends of the court. Dawson Garcia, 14 points, 6 of 12 from the field, banged in a couple of three-pointers. And then Brady Manick didn't start once again. I think we figured out that it's going to be Baycott and Garcia moving forward in that lineup. Yep. Nine points, four of nine shooting, five rebounds. But it's more about what they did defensively. Hunter Dickinson, I, we all – I think we, we, we knew going in, if Carolina's front court outplays Michigan's front court – they're going to win the game. If Michigan's front court outplays Carolina's front court, we're probably going to lose the game. Carolina's front court outplayed them. And Hunter Dickinson, just four points, two of five from the field, had four fouls, spent 10 minutes on the bench in the second half. And that was really, that was really when you looked at it, Carolina, and said, okay. Because in years past, in moments like that, you don't, you don't put the game away. They're best players on the floor, but we can't put the game away. Carolina put the game away with him on the bench. Yeah. And that was that was so good to see. And Hubert Davis said in his post game, I told my staff at halftime, we're going to play inside out. And how much have I said on here through all of the the changes of the spacing and the perimeter shooting? When you put the ball in the paint first and you build off of that, that's when your offense becomes elite. And their offense in that second half last night was the best offense we've seen from them so far this season. Yeah, look, I mean, it be it became evident early in that second half that that was the way that you needed to play it with this team. And even at times in the first half, it honestly sometimes just drives you nuts when you see the success that you're having inside or at least getting the ball inside and then moving it from there to create open shots. But, yeah, I mean, th- that – you have to give so much credit to the coaching staff on that one and Hubert Davis because Armando said in his postgame presser that they they told him, look, we're going to give you the ball inside. We want you to go right at Dickinson. Well, we want to get him out of the game. See, what happened was, was I cut up audio of me saying play through him <laughs> and tweets, a screenshot of my tweet saying play through him, and it, it worked. Sure. Uh, not even close. Well, the best part is, like, as big as it was for Hubert Davis last night, we had rightful questions about this staff. The staff made the adjustments on both ends. Sean May gets, and, has to get a lot of credit for that, too. And that was – that was it was a collective effort. Um, but for, for Armando Baycott, who I still think is this team's best player, to, you know – 11 points, 14 rebounds. He 
he controlled the the painted area. And that's what we need from him because we're not we're not as deep as we were a year ago. You don't have three other guys. I mean, you got two other guys, and that's it right now. Yeah. And that's how it's going to be this year. So you've got to bring that type of intensity, that energy, and that focus, and it never wavered. Even when the, even when the lead ballooned, Carolina stayed aggressive. They stayed hungry. And, boy, there's nothing I love more than seeing a team that's kicking another team's rear end, and they're still getting after it defensively. And that's what they did in that second half. Yeah, and, and they had to because that was a team that in Michigan that, look, under Jawan Howard, they've shown it that, that they're going to keep fighting. And they would have been capable, as you mentioned, of getting back into that game. We've seen so many times where Carolina runs out to a lead in the second half and all of a sudden you see a team start creeping back into the game and you're like, what are we doing here? That never, you never got that sense. Late from about the midway point on in that second half, um, and I mean talking about the bigs. I mean, look, we got it. You, you got to shout out Dawson Garcia in this one. I mean, he played his second best game of the year, and look, I mean, the two shots that he hit from the outside were big. He's one of those guys. He's frustrating. This is what you need to expect from him. He's going to have games. Probably, probably he will have consecutive games where he will struggle. But then he's going to have this one game in an important one. I mean, look, he stepped up against the two, arguably the two biggest opponents that you played so far. Now, one of them, unfortunately, that team looks like they could be playing for a Final Four. He, he might be a more athletic, more gifted Isaiah Hicks. I mean, there's, there's, there's so many things about his game that just leave you scratching your head sometimes and saying, what is, what is he doing? But you could see last night the effort was there consistently – and I mean, yeah, he he hit some important shots for Carolina um, to help them win this game. And I think the best part about it is, is you look at him. I mean, the down night out of the guys was Manic, and Manic mm-hmm. didn't have a bad night. But that's the thing that is similar to what we saw at times last year, primarily from the three, not from the kid that's at Auburn now. You, the, any given night, two of these guys seem like they're able to step up. But for some reason, I know the numbers may have been similar, if not better at times, from the guys last year. Does it not feel like the one this year, they're more impactful? Well, yes, because there's less of them out there. So every they, every bit of contribution this team needs, is why it feels more impactful is because they're doing it differently. They're not just... Beating, they're not just getting put on the block and hitting turnaround shots or going up and under for layups. You've got Garcia hitting three-pointers. Um, you've got Brady Manick hitting three-pointers, but also doing some different things for you as well, offensively and defensively. You've got Armando Baycott now being more comfortable demanding the ball, which was something last year he would not have – he would not have went down the court, got the position – and made it evident to know, give me the ball. Mm-hmm. That's why everything's more impactful. And look, Carolina needs them to be because the the depth is still an issue and it's going to be an issue. But when you can defend at a high level without fouling, like they did last night, then it's not as big as an issue. One, and, uh, you know, Let's talk about the turnovers. It's not. It's going to be hard to expect this team to not turn the ball over in only six times, um, just from the nature of the way we still want to play and stuff like that. 
that was where you could tell that the coaching in the last week it was there, and they applied what they taught, what they were taught in practice. Um, because, I mean, just six turnovers. I told you my magic number's 12. Well, they cut that number in half, and with the game only being played at 64 possessions, it was really important. And the biggest thing was that, like defensively, when the game got out of hand, they didn't get sloppy on the offensive end either. They kept valuing the ball. They kept protecting the ball. But it's more about what they did defensively, forcing those 13 turnovers. You didn't see a whole lot of call traps or anything like that. Sometimes it just happened. But Carolina's – the one adjustment they made was doubling the post. They didn't do that against Purdue. Didn't do that against Tennessee. It bit them in the butt. Last night they doubled the post. And the biggest thing about – well, you know the reason why I said all summer I'm excited about this defense is they got length at every spot, right? You've got Caleb Love. He's a big point guard. You've got Leaky Black. He's a he's a long guy. You've got Dawson Garcia. You got Brady Manick and Armando Baycott. And last night you could tell that the length and and doubling the post it affected Michigan. They got turnovers. They got easy buckets. And that's what you're looking for. If you want to play slower, that's fine. If you can make up for it and be more efficient in the half court, Carolina was that because their offense was an extension of that defense. Oh, yeah. No, for, for, for sure. And, I mean, you look at the first half statistics. I mean, Carolina only created six turnovers off of Michigan. They created seven in the second half. But it felt like especially early – on within the first eight minutes that Carolina got some really important turnovers to sort of create some confidence and I talked about it going into the game the turnover margin is big for Carolina in a lot of these games going forward especially when you get into conference playing in that game against UCLA that we're talking that that we'll be looking at here over the next two weeks as one of the bigger ones of the entire season you know to be able to somehow cut the turnovers down as much as you did in this game. I mean, look, we thought that Carolina was capable of hanging on to the basketball and maybe only turning it over 10 or 11 times. To do this in this game against a team in Michigan that is as good defensively as they are uh, is just it, – it's, it's great. And this was the first time in a while where you've watched a game and as the game went along, once you got into that second half – you you still felt pretty confident that Carolina was going to make some smart passes. They were going to be smart with the basketball because there are so many games that you watch and you 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 realize it within the first five to seven minutes of the game that hey this is going to be it's going to be one of those nights where they're going to have to really take advantage when they have the ball on the offensive end because they're going to turn the ball over a lot tonight. And last night, you never really got that feeling. The other thing is, is they had a 13-6 to turnover uh, assist-to-turnover ratio, which, I mean, that's that's got to be the best since, what, the first game of the season against Loyola? Maybe Brown, they didn't really turn the ball over a ton against Brown either. But that's been one of the one an issue here lately as well is that Carolina just isn't sharing the basketball all that well. And when they are trying to share the basketball, they're turning it over. So it, it, in those two facets, they did a tremendous job in this game, and they needed to against a Michigan team that we knew was going to try to slow down the pace even more than Carolina had slowed it down against UNC Asheville, and they took advantage of it. Just a great job all around. You'll never convince me that Carolina should play in the half court 
it it doesn't exist in my belief system. And I, I made some references last night during the game to you and to social media. If you're not following me already, follow me at HTB Josh on Twitter. That Carolina needed to get the pace up. That was emotion, Josh. The fan in me. Well, look, no, I don't. I don't think you're 100 yeah, percent wrong. I think it's strategic. You've got to pick your moments where you want to run. But ultimately, for this team to have def- the, the success defensively that you saw last night, see, I just playing a slower game helps you. I, I don't think tempo will doesn't affect affects their defense. But playing that style last night, that's the best thing for them because you were forced. To, for the majority of the game, and especially in that first half, it it was what you can kind of simulate when you when you see Virginia in ACC play. Their, Michigan was going to take the air out of the ball. Now, look, Michigan's usually more crisp offensively, better shooting and all that stuff. But how many times have we seen Carolina in a game like that, their offense just discombobulate in the half court? And when Carolina – can historically when they can play really really well in the half court when they are forced to they're scary they're still going to run they're they're going to get the tempo up he doesn't want to play 64 possessions i can tell you he doesn't want to do it but when you have to do it and then you can score on 32 of, the, of those 64 possessions and you're not turning the ball over that's really big because it's not about winning is the most important thing but when you're really, really good, you can win in different ways. Mm-hmm. And Carolina has now found a couple different ways early in this season. You look at Brown, they had to win with their offense, just straight up with their offense. At College of Charleston, you had to erase a double-digit deficit on the road mm-hmm. and the first live crowd you've seen in two years. And you did it with your defense in that second half. And then last night – you, you had to win a different type of game. They're playing different styles, and they're learning how to win different styles, and that's going to really culminate when they get an ACC play. Yeah, because they're going to face a bunch of different different teams stylistically, including teams that you've probably grown accustomed to playing one way that are going to play a completely different way, a la Duke, who will want to run with you. But, yeah, you'll have those moments where you're going to get a Virginia that wants to slow it down. Um Georgia Tech looks like a team that wants to sort of limit the possessions as well. They played pretty well that playing that type of game last night against Wisconsin. So, yeah, I mean, Carolina's got to be prepared for that. I'm, I just think you saw in these games where people can get out on the fast break, guys are just scrambling. Carolina is not a team that needs to be scrambling defensively. That's just not working. They even had moments last night where it looked like things were going too fast for them, and that was when they were playing in the half court against Michigan. So I think it it, it, it is helping them that you're playing a little bit of a slower pace and, and, and limiting the possessions. The chances that teams get against you defensively mainly is the reason why I think that's working. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think they are capable, more than capable of playing – at both paces. I just wonder if the, the the more fast-paced games that you get into, is this going to expose you a little bit defensively? Because, look, I mean, it still wasn't a perfect game defensively last night, but it was definitely your best effort of the season and showed that there are th- – this is not that the guys just – don't have talent. It's just that they need to be coached up a little bit 
And I think Hubert Davis, even though he said that the, that, that the team didn't practice a whole lot during that off week, uh, it, sure, it sure looked like some guys might have been working on some things during that time. We mentioned earlier um, signature win and how I, I went on my little belief that or just my thought that it was really, really cool being a part of his first signature win. Mm-hmm. So I think now it is what does it mean? Because you you know you you want to get the the signature win, but then what does it mean? I think it proved last night that Carolina can still be the type of team that we think they can be, and that all the yelling and screaming and kicking and throwing that some people did two weeks ago, <clears throat> do you? Um, it was an overreaction. Wait 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 a second. Are you saying? That I overreacted? That you have possibly overreacted. Never. Oh, oh, man. My, I thought we were going to have a humbling moment there. My, my, we don't. My belief. We never do. My belief has never wavered. Sure. Okay. Now, I, don't, I, I believe that your belief has never wavered. In terms of the kicking and screaming and throwing, that's you. Yeah, I know that's you. The description is way too on point not to be you. And so, the best part, the the best part about last night was they left. That's the best tape when they when they when they rewatch. That's the best tape they've given Hubert Davis this season, right? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you that that tape. Uh, I, I could I could watch that late night through uh, the scrambled channels. That I was. That turn that that was a turn on type tape right there, dude. That got me going a little bit. And so the best thing <laughs> is that they still left something to be desired, which means they can build off of that and improve. Oh, for sure, and for that, sure. And that's the best. That's the best thing about games like that, is that. I didn't leave last night thinking that's the best they're going to look. Well, that would be an issue if you did think There have been times the the last couple of years where early in the season, that was the best they were going to look. I think think you may have left the game against Notre Dame in the opener in 2019 saying, yeah, that's the best they're going to look. And so that – it was just a reinforcement that – it's a process. We're going to grow. Hubert Davis is going to grow. Hopefully us as fans and as people, we grow. But ultimately... All right, you're looking at a mirror while saying this, no. right? No. I've already grown. God. Ultimately, and I tweeted this, we're going to be okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, to me, I never really had that much of a question about that. This is something that was going to take time. I thought, and I think it showed in this game, I thought that the game against Tennessee was really, I mean, you got to think, that's the first time that they had played back-to-back since the ACC, since, tournament. Since the ACC tournament, and even then. I mean, that game against Virginia Tech, that, that really could have gone either way because that was a hard-fought game. Um, and and, and in, in their first-round matchup, they absolutely dominated. So that was a team that was kind of on cru- cruise control late in that first game and got a little more rest. They laid everything that they had out on the table against Purdue. They, they did everything that they could to try to win that game. It just didn't culminate in a win, mainly because they – 
one, they made they made some mistakes, and two, I mean, look, for Purdue is right now is Purdue not the best team in the country? Yes. So I mean, it it makes a little bit of sense. Meanwhile, um, you know, then they go up against the Tennessee team that I mean, look, I think Tennessee got beaten to the ground by Villanova. I think they kind of knew going into that game that they weren't going to win that game, and they probably also didn't put as as much into it, um, which probably allowed them to be a little more fresh. This this is, I think, what you can expect from Carolina in some of these big games in conference play. Do I think there's going to be moments where they're going to struggle? There'll probably be stretches where they lose a couple in a row or maybe even three in a row. Yeah, that's probably going to happen at some point this season. I don't think that this is a perfect team. I don't think this is a team that is ready yet to, to be where you're where you were at in the preseason. That's just my opinion. I don't think they're a team that's ready to be a one seed in the NCAA tournament, which would probably involve them finishing with six, maybe seven losses all season. But I do think that this is a team that showed last night that they are capable of being right now the second best team in the ACC. And I I, I would say they, depending on what happens, because I, and people will say it's because I'm a Carolina fan, I don't 100% believe that Duke is a Final Four team. No. So I think that Carolina is a lot closer to Duke than people realize. Yes. I'll say that. I, I, I 100% agree with you. Some closing notes before we do get out of here. On this day in 1961... Some guy named uh, Dean Edward Smith made his coaching debut as the head coach of Carolina basketball. It was a game against Virginia. Carolina would go on to uh, to win to start what would become the the start of the 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 dynasty that is Carolina basketball, and what is you know morphed and transformed into the best program in the sport. We mentioned the, the the Smith Center last night. Great crowd. Some A-list former Tar Heels in the building. T. Hans, Tyler Hansborough in the building. <laughs> Phil Ford. He seemed very excited, yeah. by the way, to be at the game. Uh, Phil Ford was in the building. Antoine Jameson got honored for being inducted into the Hall of the Naismith or into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Tyler Zeller was in the building. Um, some guy named Roy Williams was in the building again, wearing a nice sweater vest. <laughs> he did. He did, by the way, roll out early. Yeah. He said, "Yo, I gotta go." Um, but it was the you know the first big game, big home game back in the Smith Center. And it felt like Carolina basketball, leaving some names out, but just a lot of big-time guys back in the building. It felt like family, and it was really cool to see um, as Carolina got a much-needed win over Michigan. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you go, do want to get you to the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where I had you covered pre, uh, before the Michigan game and following the Michigan game. So go back, read that recap of the win over Michigan this weekend. I'll be getting you ready for uh, Carolina-Georgia Tech. That'll be on Sunday at 3 p.m. on ESPN. Football side of things, Carolina's regular season has concluded. They will find out their bowl destination this weekend. But before that, two more players enter the transfer portal. Anthony had you covered on that front. There will also be a stock report up as well following Carolina's, uh, well, let's just call it disappointing, embarrassing, heartbreaking loss to NC State to conclude. The 
biggest collapse in program history. Or that. Um, so you can get, get all that as even though football is now moving into the offseason, we'll still have you covered um, with, with Carolina football. As for the podcast side of things, we're on the Basketball Podcasting Network. We host through Megaphone, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, all the podcasting sites. You can find the Four Corners Podcast. Give it a like. Review me as the host. Review Anthony as the co-host. But hit that subscribe button. That way you, that way you get every great uh, episode right there in your podcast library. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go to our heels. <laughs>